Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this sunny Tuesday, February the 28th of 2023. We are broadcasting live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Whether you're sitting at home in your car, going for a walk, whatever the case may be, we appreciate you joining us here on WSBT Radio. All right, cut the music for a second. We've got to find something a little more appropriate for tonight. I think this might do the trick. Ah, yes. The start of Hoosier Hysteria is tonight across the state of Indiana. Coaches and players have put in a lot of work to get to this point. And now here we are. The postseason has arrived. Everybody dreaming big of that long run in the state tournament. For some teams, winning a state championship is the ultimate goal. Other programs looking to win a sectional championship, whatever the case may be. It all starts tonight with first-round action. Coming up on the program at 5.30, the voices of the LaPorte sectional in Mishawaka Cavemen basketball, Brian Miller and Ron Heklinski, will join me live from LaPorte High School, side of the 4A sectional, featuring LaPorte, Michigan City, Riley, Adams, Plymouth, and Mishawaka. Also later on in the program... I will make my sectional picks in 3A and 4A. Got my picks for tonight ready to go. I'm looking to go undefeated. Let's be brash right off the bat. 
Also coming up on the program this evening, things change quickly in college football and in recruiting or the transfer portal. Someone we thought was coming to South Bend is not coming to South Bend. We'll explain coming up in a little bit. Also, more Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He'll join us right around 6.15. The Eddie Ball Club taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight in an interesting Big Ten showdown. How many times will Fran McCaffrey throw a fit tonight in the house that Bob Knight kind of built down in Bloomington? Blackhawk fans, wow. You knew this day was coming, but it appears Patrick Kane is heading to New York, New York, to play for the Blue Shirts. We'll tell you about that coming up in a little bit here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Set up the picket fence and don't let the paint dry. Or don't get caught. I don't know whatever that saying is. As, as a parent tonight of a player in a sexual game, it's been a hard day to focus. I've been lousy in everything I've done today. So I'll probably follow that up and be lousy on this program. So bear with me for this edition of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's get the program started with our hat trick of opening topics. And away we go. We start with Notre Dame football news. Yesterday. We told you about a story that Blue and Gold Illustrated had in regard to Maryland offensive guard Miles Lunsford. He was coming to South Bend to visit Notre Dame. He had went into the transfer portal 10 days ago. Looked like there was mutual interest. We have a news story for you today. Lunsford is not coming. And according to our friends at Blue and Gold Illustrated, it sounds like the two sides are going their separate ways. We'll have more on this with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated in the 6 o'clock hour. But Lunsford, an experienced interior offensive lineman, started 23 games for the Maryland Terrapins at left guard. And in 11 games last year, he did not allow a sack. So Lunsford no longer coming, according to Blue and Gold Illustrated. You look at internal candidates for the Irish as they look to fill two vacant offensive guard starting positions. You got Billy Strouth, who a lot of players spoke highly of last year. Andrew Kristofik, and a guy people were very excited about when Notre Dame got him out of Michigan. Rocco Spindler, is this his opportunity to gain a starting spot? Well, spring practice starting in 23 days, and the search for that new offensive line combination will get underway. And apparently, Joe Rudolph will be the offensive line coach in charge of putting that group together. The Virginia Tech offensive line coach and run game coordinator is expected to be the new offensive line coach at Notre Dame. As of today... Quarterback coach Gino Gadouli has not officially been introduced by Notre Dame as of yet. Maybe they're waiting for the offensive line coach position to become official to announce it all at once. That very well 
could be the case, so no reason to set off fire alarms that Gadouli has not been introduced. They might be just waiting to do this all at once rather than having 16 different press conferences in the month of February and into March. So again, Miles Lunsford, the Maryland offensive guard, not visiting Notre Dame, and it appears the two teams will go their separate ways. Again, more on this from Mike Singer in just about an hour. Topic number two in our hat trick of opening topics. We've got Big Ten basketball on the horizon tonight. ESPN 2 at 7 o'clock will feature the Iowa Hawkeyes taking on the Indiana Hoosiers. IU, after a rough start to the Big Ten season, they have played so much better coming down the stretch. IU now 11-7 in the Big Ten, and they are in a four-way tie for second place with Maryland. Northwestern, and i got to be honest, I'm surprised Michigan is doing as well as they have. They've had some nice wins recently, including that home win over Wisconsin. Now, Indiana's got to be feeling really, really good right now. You hope there's no letdown after the Indiana Ball Club knocked off the Purdue Boilermakers in Mackey. Saturday night, 79-71, their first win in West Lafayette since the 12-13 campaign. That win came after a clunker in the final 30 minutes or so in the game in East Lansing, where the Hoosiers lost to Michigan State 80-65. But that Purdue game, if he was not on the map already nationally, he is now Jalen hood Shafino was dazzling against the Boilermakers. While Trace Jackson Davis was having trouble scoring, he was in foul trouble. Shafino picked up the slack and then some, putting up a 35-burger against the Boilers. Says, Zach Eady, you can put up 30 at 7-4. Let me show you what I can do. Here's a 35 spot for you. So you got Shafino coming off that great performance and now truly a 1-2 combination of Shafino and TJD, who is averaging 20 points and 11 rebounds a contest. So IU will take on the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight on January 5th in Iowa City. Iowa edged Indiana 91-89 in that ball game. Those two stars I just talked about had really good performances TJD had 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. He shot 11 of 20 from the field. Jalen hood Shafino, 21 points and 9 assists for an Indiana team that shot 54% on the road. They were 8 of 15 from 3 and lost. Iowa's got a heck of a player themselves in Chris Murray. He had 30 points and 10 rebounds against IU on 11 of 18 shooting from the field. 6-9, Philippe Rebracca had 19-10 for Iowa, who shot 47% against IU, and they were 7-19 of 19 from the three-point line. Iowa, they're one of those teams. You just don't know what you're going to get out of them from game to game. They're 18-11, 10-8 in the Big Ten. They've had some big wins. They've had some puzzling games. I think they had 116 points in two games combined recently, which is not... Iowa basketball, Northwestern was one of the games, and I'm just drawing a blank now in the second game. And their most recent game, a stunning comeback over Michigan State to force overtime and win it in overtime where they just couldn't miss from three coming down the stretch. 
So Iowa, 11 and 8, or I'm sorry, 10 and 8 in the Big Ten, 18 and 11 overall. The Hawkeyes are tied for sixth place in the Big Ten with Illinois and Rutgers. Again, 7 o'clock tonight, Iowa at Indiana, the game on ESPN2. Our third and final hat trick of opening topics for this Tuesday, Patrick Kane reportedly has been traded by the Chicago Blackhawks to the New York Rangers. According to the reports, the Hawks shipped off their Hall of Fame winger to the Blue Shirts for a 2023 second-round pick that could become a 2023 first-round pick if the Rangers make it to the Eastern Conference Final. The Hawks also get a 2023 fourth-round pick. Now, the Rangers needed some financial help to make this work under the salary cap. So according to a report from ESPN, Chicago will retain 50% of Kane's $10.5 million salary. A third team, which might be Arizona, is possibly involved in picking up some of that salary as well for probably draft pick compensation. Now this is kind of a a tough spot for the Hawks because based on some of the other moves that have taken place coming down the stretch as the trade deadline is a few days away, the Blackhawks did not get full value for Patrick Kane. And it's really not the Hawks' fault. I don't want to say it was Patrick Kane's fault, but his power in the decision-making process hurt the Hawks. Patrick Kane had a no-movement clause in his eight-year contract, which this is the final year of that contract. So basically, the Blackhawks were handcuffed by Kane, and he could tell them where he wanted to go. And supposedly, all along, he wanted to go to Gotham and play for the Rangers. So instead of being able to shop Patrick Kane around to the entire NHL, the way the story is being presented, the Hawks were kind of stuck working with the Rangers, which made the Rangers very happy. They did not have to pay full value to get this Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame player. I mean, draft picks are okay, but in the NHL, there are no guarantees. It's almost like Major League Baseball. But you think about what Patrick Kane meant to that Hawks organization. He was the number one overall pick in the 2007 NHL draft. And I'll tell you what, during his tenure in Chicago, he never disappointed, including in the biggest moments. And one of the biggest moments was June 9th, 2010. The Hawks trying to win their first Stanley Cup in almost 50 years. Chicago playing in Philadelphia against the Flyers in the Stanley Cup final. The game was 3-3 in overtime. If the Hawks scored, they would get the chance to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. This is how it sounded in Canada on CBC.
for the first time since 1961, the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. It was an odd one. The puck went through the flyer goaltender into the side of the net where it disappeared in the netting. But after review, it was a good goal. Patrick Kane was the only one that knew it went in. The referee behind the goal didn't see it. The Flyers didn't see it, but Patrick Kane scored, and that was a Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime for Kane, who went on to help the Hawks win three Stanley Cup titles. He's now 34 years old in the final year of that eight-year contract, and he did it all for Chicago besides the team's success. 1,161 games for Chicago, 446 goals, 779 assists, over a point a game at 1,225 points. He had 67 game-winning goals this year in 54 games for Chicago, 16 goals, 29 assists, and 45 points. Patrick Kane, no longer a Chicago Blackhawk. He is now a blue shirt. He is a member of the New York Rangers. So the Rangers, trying to make a cup run in the East, have picked up two outstanding goal scorers before the deadline. Vladimir Tarasenko from the St. Louis Blues and now Patrick Kane, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll see if Jonathan Taves is next. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. It is 23 minutes after 5 o'clock on this Tuesday evening. Again, we have a couple of guests on the program tonight. Coming up at 6.15, we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football recruiting insider Mike Singer. More on the Maryland offensive guard who is no longer visiting Notre Dame. Coming up next, we'll turn our attention to Hoosier Hysteria. We'll head on over to the gym at LaPorte High School where the broadcast team calling that sectional on 96 won the ton is standing by. Brian Miller and Ron Heklinski to talk about the teams involved in that wide open, and I mean wide open, 4A sectional. Hope you'll stick around. Another 90 minutes of Budweiser's weekday sports beat is coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 29 minutes after 5 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on WSBT Radio. Tomorrow night we've got Notre Dame basketball as they host the ACC leading Pitt Panthers. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock opening tip. But tonight it's all about the start of Hoosier Hysteria. For many people I know it's different since there are classes in basketball but Hoosier Hysteria is still a magical time for coaches, players, fans, broadcasters, writers, whatever the case may be. It's a fun time of the year, and it all starts tonight across the state of Indiana, including in Laporte, where the Mishawaka broadcast team of Brian Miller and the coach Ron Heklinski are joining me right now. Of course, they've called Mishawaka Caveman basketball all season long, and now they are sectional broadcasters for the week over 
in LaPorte. Well, guys, I know you're going to be going on the air in about 30 minutes on 96 won the ton. So this is your pregame, pregame warm-up. I appreciate the time. This is like Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, if we have a pregame <laughs> yeah. of the pregame. Yeah, there's no doubt. Coach, yeah. how are you? You know what? I'm, I'm hearing that that uh, music in the background. I got some Hoosier stuff going through me, and I couldn't be better, man. This LaPorte gym looks great. Got all the orange in here. And, and I see Michigan City coming in. I see Adams coming in. I know the feelings that, that both of those coaches have. I know the feelings that, that both of those teams have. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, it's a wonderful time of the year. It's exciting. And there's no snow, right? So right on, man. Love that. Love that. Hey, let me ask you guys both this opening question. Brian, I'll start with you. And, heck, you can go second here. It just feels like this is as wide open of a sectional as we have in the area. You look elsewhere, Penn, Marion, Northwood are very, very heavy favorites. But over in LaPorte, I think there are maybe three or four teams that might be a tad bit ahead of a couple of the other teams. But I think if we played this sectional five times, we might have a winner different three or four times. Brian, what do you think? You know, I think that is a great analogy for the simple fact you have four of the six teams who have winning records, and not just by a game or two. You've got Laporte and Mishawaka, both standing at 17-6. and six. They're paired in opposite sides of the bracket. Wow, how did that work out? Michigan City's 16-6. and six. They're taking on the defending sectional champion, South Bend John Adams, who comes in at 8-13, and 13, but with Coach Chad Johnston back into the mix and uh, playing a little better basketball, uh, certainly uh, they're a team to be reckoned with. And don't look now, but South Bend, Riley, and Plymouth, the only other teams I did not mention, Riley and Plymouth might be playing their best basketball of the season coming here. So this is, yep, it's a, it's a cliche, but this is a wide-open opportunity for whoever gets hot, whoever stays healthy, and whoever's going to hold the trophy on Saturday night. A little lady luck and a whole lot of skill is going to be required. It's about who's playing well at this time of the year. And, and uh, Michigan City's got uh, uh, five wins in a row. Uh, John Adams lost Coach uh, Johnson for a couple games down the stretch here. They've struggled, but we've seen Adams play, and, and, and we know at any given time uh, uh, the Eagles can get out, they can pressure, they can score points in bunches, so you can never count them out. Mishawaka, uh, I mean, uh, went through that great stretch, and, and uh, their season gets a lot tougher towards the end of the season. They stopped the bleeding a couple of times. Uh, are they with – withstood that schedule a little bit and ended up with a, with a great win on Friday night against South Bend St. Joe in overtime. So, so they're coming in feeling really good about themselves. And, and, then, and then obviously you're going to talk about South Bend Riley. South Bend Riley won four games in a row. Yep. Uh, Alex Daniels got all his players back. Now he went through a stretch where, where he had injuries during the middle of the year and he got all his players back. So, uh, I think, I, I mean, I think anybody can win this. Laporte is 17-6. and six. I mean, Laporte's won uh, like seven games in a row at the end here. And, and uh, Jordan Heckert has done, a, I mean, a fantastic job. I'm, I'm looking through their uh, roster, and, and we played Laporte two years ago. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't recognize any of the players. He's had a great recruiting run here in the last <laughs> two years. So and I'm just saying, man, anybody, anybody can come in here. And, and if you're playing well, if you're feeling good, if the coaches, you know, are letting them guys play, and uh, that's a big thing too. Coaches have a tendency sometimes to be uptight a little bit. And, uh, the, you know, I mean, Bodie lets his guys play. I know Tom Wells is a pro. Alex Daniels is a, is a, is a great coach. Chad Johnson's a great coach. 
and, and, and so they let their guys play and come in here and get after it. I think I think this will be as exciting uh, a sectional that there is out there now. Brian Miller, Ryan Heklinski joining me from LaPorte High School. They'll be calling the LaPorte sectional in about 26 minutes on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. Game one tonight will feature South Bend Adams taking on Michigan City. And, Brian, I filled in for you and Mishawaka and Adams played. Now, Mishawaka won that game, but I left that ball game saying if Adams would have shot anything from the field, they might have won the ball game. They got great looks throughout the ball game, they just were not hitting shots that maybe they normally hit in that particular ball game. So I feel like Adams is a lot better than their record indicates. And Brian, they're taking on a Michigan City team that probably has the best player in the sectional. Oh, no doubt about that. You're talking about J.B. Hodges, 5'10", senior, standout for Michigan City. He leads the Wolves, in fact, is the top scorer in this uh, six-team field. Uh, 21.7 points per ball game, but the Mishawaka Adams game you're referring to was back on uh, Valentine's night, 66-57. The caveman got a senior night home victory, and you know those bounce, 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 and and shots that fell out for Adams could just as well bounce, bounce, and go in here tonight for the Eagles. I know talking to Bodie Bender earlier today when we recorded our pregame show for tonight's broadcast, he talked about the tighter rims here at Slicer Gym. So that'll be interesting to see if that plays any role in a, in a friendly bounce or not so friendly bounce for either of the of the schools here. But, uh, you know, Adams is still the defending champion. And sure, they have a lot of kids that, uh, you know, graduated. And certainly Tommy Snyder, who was a standout for Adams last year, playing right now at Holy Cross. Um, you know, there is just so much... Uh, that can happen in that experience from last year. Uh, the Eagles with Britton Van, who averages 19 points a game, he can take over a game, uh, has been the true leader of this Eagle club this year. So I- I'm, not, I'm not counting Adams out, and they've, they've had a little luck recently and a little run over uh, Tom Wells' uh, Wolves ball club. So right now Adams is the champion till, uh, until you knock him off. And, heck, what do you think about Hodges? When you're an opposing coach, what do you have to deal with when you face him? And I know you coached against him last year in the sectional. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's a different cat, man. He, he, he's quick, and so you got to, you know, watch his quickness. you got to watch him getting into the paint. And, and if you back off of him too much, if you gap him too much, he's going to rise up and, and maybe take a 30-footer, and you're going to say, great, he's taking a 30-footer. He's going to knock that 30-footer in, man. He's, he, I mean, he can go for 40 points any night. Uh, he's got some guys that, that can clean up the glass for him. And, and as we all know, Tom Wells, Tom Wells is a great coach. Tom Wells has been around for, for a long, long time, about 34, 35 years. And this is home to Tom Wells. Tom yep. Wells was at LaPorte for, I don't know, for 100 15, years. 15, 15, not 100, 15. And it's, it's, a great, it's a great deal. I mean, it's a great deal for him being in Michigan City where he's got just a ton of athletic guys. And, and when you look at Adams now, it's an emotional, it's an emotional uh, thing for Adams to get Coach Johnson back. And don't think – don't think that they're not playing that up a little bit. We got our guy back. We got our coach. This is the guy that can do it for us, and he's our leader. So that's a, I mean, that's a little emotional thing on John Adams' side also. Brian Miller, Ron Heklinski over in LaPorte talking Hoosier hysteria here on WSBT Radio. Brian, we move to game number two. It's a matchup of Northern Lakes Conference teams at about 8 o'clock, maybe more realistically, 8.15, 8.30 Eastern time. It will be Plymouth taking on Mishawaka. Let's start with this. You two had the call of the Plymouth-Mishawaka game 
earlier this season, a game that Mishawaka won, but I found it to be a strange ball game. They were up 16-2 after the first quarter. Momentum shifted in the second quarter when Mishawaka's second unit came in, and I didn't feel like, guys, the starters ever got that momentum back, and it was kind of a, a grind-out victory for Bodie Bender's team. Oh, it was a grind out. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, that 16-2 lead evaporated down to just a five-point cushion at half, 27-22 for visiting Mishawaka. But there's a key word, visiting Mishawaka. Anytime you go to Plymouth, you're going to be in for a chess match. You're going to be in for a, a very physical basketball game. And Plymouth traditionally shoots so, so well on their home floor. And that night, Davis Ray and Preston Wolf they were absolutely lights out. Ray finished with 27 points. He had 15 in the first half. Cooled off a little in the second half, but he had five threes in the night. Preston Wolf, a sophomore off the bench, he hit three threes for nine points. And Easton Strain had a very quiet 14 points on that ball game. If if Mishawaka lets those three get on fire again, um, you know they could be in trouble. But certainly, uh, playing on the home floor, I think, is a big, big advantage. Uh, for Plymouth, and tonight they're not going to have that advantage, so I think that uh, maybe balances things out a little bit for the Cavemen. And, and I think Mishawaka coming off that big overtime win Friday, they're really, really f uh, feeling good about themselves and very, very confident right now going to the sectional because of that win, and they also have a, a healthy Brady Fisher back. Coach Heklinski, what stood out to you about that Mishawaka-Plymouth game earlier this year? Yeah, I think uh, when Mishawaka went over there, I, I think – you know, they're scouting, they're watching film, they're doing things, but I don't think they thought Davis Ray was as good as he actually came out and played against them. He lit them up and got them back in the game. But I think a key I think a key that you said was in the second quarter, Mishawaka went to their second unit. I don't think Mishawaka's going to any second unit anymore. I think <laughs> Mishawaka may have, you know, a lineup of eight or nine guys that they're going to rotate in, and uh, they're going to play their studs all the way through. Uh, uh, the beautiful thing about playing – a team that you've already played once is that now you have film now you have tape and now you know exactly what they're going to do you know exactly uh, their kyp know your personnel and you can watch that over and over and you can watch how they defended you you can watch how offensively they played against your switching defense and uh you know, talking to Bodie this week and spending some time with him this week, I know he's done a great job of preparation. I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think, I don't think because you see uh, a 10 and 12 and 17 and 6, you know, I'm not betting on that part of it. But I think it's going to be a tough game. I think, I think Mishawaka's, uh, uh, with the fact they have Brady, with, with Cooper playing so hard inside, and, and uh, Arthur maybe, uh, you know, in a little bit more control, I think, you know, down the stretch, Mitch, uh, Mishawaka will come out and take care of that game. Coach, since you mentioned Brady Fisher, and for fans that don't know, Brady, of course, the quarterback of the Mishawaka football team and a key part of the basketball team, missed several weeks with a thumb injury, returned to the lineup Friday against South Bend St. Joe. How much of a difference can Brady Fisher make for this team that is attempting to win the school's first sectional since 1986? Yeah, I've, you know, I've been in Mishawaka now for six years, the head coach for five. That's all I heard was 1986. I'm thinking 1986 <laughs> is when Jody Davis went deep or or Ryan Sandberg hit two off Bruce Suter. Sorry about that, man. But I'm thinking that's what 1986 is. But 1986, unfortunately, is the last time uh, Bill Davidson and the Mishawaka came and won a sectional. I think Brady, I, 
you know, Brady came in. He was he was really excited. I think he tried to play really fast early in that St. Joe game. The longer the game went, I think he settled down. I think he got into a groove and 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 let his game come to him. You know, and and, and I told Brady this. I don't think I don't think Brady is a great basketball player. I think he's really good, but I think what his strengths are is he's tremendously relentless. You know, he plays he plays to the whistle every time, and that's his that's his football mentality. He goes after every loose ball. He's skilled enough to score in the paint. He's got he's got spin moves. He's got moves where he uses the rim to protect himself. And uh, I think he's a big he's a big addition to that Mishawaka club. And I think he's a big addition to just the fact of how hard he plays. Now you throw him out there with Cooper. You throw him out there with Maddox. You throw him out there with a couple other guys. Now you got guys that understand that you just play to the whistle. You know, I, this Mishawaka team, you can look at the end of the year. They went three and four in their last seven, had a, a an interesting win over St. Joe on Friday. Boy, it was a roller coaster ride. Almost a perfect third quarter, then an extremely rough fourth quarter. They got it into overtime and eventually won the game. But I just think, guys, a couple of weeks ago, there were, I think, some chemistry issues. That's been resolved. This team looked very focused Friday night against South Bend St. Joe. So it feels like there's this is a team at ease right now and knowing they have a great opportunity in front of them. I think the game uh, down the stretch that got away from him was the overtime loss at Goshen. No doubt. And, and I will say this much. I mean, playing at Goshen is tough. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, I mean, to me, it's kind of a sterile environment. Uh, I, I mean, I don't like playing there. I never did like playing there. And, and you know, and for one possession uh, and maybe two possessions of a turnover late, I, I think Mishawaka gets out of there with a with a W. Warsaw is always going to be tough. Although when you look at that Warsaw game and you think you got an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter, you can just take care of business by taking care of the basketball. Well, we know they didn't. Uh, Northwood, Northwood is is play, It's like the University of Northwood. They have size. They have a, a I mean, a legitimate Mr. Basketball candidate, and they're a really good basketball team. They took care of business when they should have against South Bend Adams in the Career Center. Uh, Penn uh, is a monumental task for anybody. And then at the end, at the end, they they played a very, very, very good four-minute overtime. Uh, forced four turnovers against St. Joe. I mean, St. Joe has some good young talent, yeah. but in the, in the, in the overtime, uh, Mishawaka imposed their will, came out of that with a big W. Brian, let me ask you, Arthur Jones, the senior guard, he is a guy that can get to the basket. He is more of a creator as the season has gone on helping get teammates open with his dribble drive. How important is Arthur Jones to the success of the Cayman this week over in LaPorte? Well, you know, Brian's downstairs getting a couple of okay. interviews, but I, but I will answer that. I, I think, and I told Art this, uh, the last four minutes in the game against St. Joe, I, I thought Arthur got his teammates involved. I actually got a couple of great assists, uh, uh, you know, a couple of buckets. And um, when, Arthur has, when Arthur has this great understanding that it's not about him, it's about his team, I think he can be as good a player as there is in northern Indiana. And, and I think – I'm thinking that, that he'll get that message and, and play really, really well down here or up here in Laporte now this week. Coach, I know you were not at the Mishawaka Penn game recently, but this Penn team might be as talented as any local team we've had in a few years. Of course, you've got a Division One player in Marcus Burton, and he can get you for 30 so easily. But, Ron, the thing is about that Penn team, there are so many weapons on the floor. If Marcus gets in the lane, yeah, he can score. 
but he's a really underrated passer of the basketball. And to me, Coach, when those other two guards are hitting shots, I just don't know how you beat Penn. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a tough preparation when you go in there because you can say, I'm going to take the lane away from Marcus and I'm going to sag and I'm going to make Marcus kick it out. But what you got to understand is he's kicking it out to Smith and Garwood and those guys are great shooters. Smith has got like 940 points for his career. So he's closing in on, on a thousand points. And, and so if you say, if you say, I'm going to let Marcus get his, I mean, I'm going to try and defend him, but if Marcus gets his, I'm okay with that. With Marcus getting his means he may go for 40. And it's just, it, it, I mean, it's just a tough preparation. Uh, you know, they have the two six eight guys inside uh, that can rebound and, and chase balls down. I, I think maybe, maybe the only undoing that they might have is as, is as they get into the tournament, and and, and and they may face some physicality from, from Central Indiana, from uh, you know, from Indianapolis, from Cathedral, from Carmel, some of those type of scenarios like they did when they when they played Ben Davis, and don't get me wrong, uh, I, you know, I think the fact that Al played a, I mean, he beefed his schedule up, he played in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. His, his summer schedule this year, I mean, he played in a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, tournaments that had the top teams in the state, and, and so I think all of that is in Penn's favor, but, but they are just a hard, hard team to prepare for. I'd like to ask you one question about Mishawaka Marion. Rob Berger will use that matchup zone. He's always got link to use to make it very difficult for guards to pass over those bigs on the wings. Is it a challenge at all as a coach trying to get through to high school players how to break down a zone like that? I mean, you see zones at Syracuse, and you even see college kids struggle trying to get the ball to the right spot, the free throw line or that short baseline spot. Is it more of a challenge to get high school players to understand how to break down that particular defense? Well, I think it's a tough defense to break down, number one, because he coaches it up so well. He's, he's, I mean, he's had a lot of mentors with that defense. One of his mentors was a uh, a coach from Central Indiana when he coached uh, Ahmed Anderson, a guy named Calvin Bailey, who knew the 2-3 zone in and out, backwards, forwards, and and Rob, I mean, did a great job uh, of learning that from Calvin and then implementing his stuff in it. But I will tell you this much, Rob has not only stayed with the 2-3, he goes with the 1-3-1, and, and, he's, and he's always had a top guy who's long, Who's, who's aggressive and who's athletic. And, and, and then Robbie's man-to-man defense has gotten better every year. So, you know, when, when Mishawaka Marion is going to put the kind of guards that they've put on the floor the last few years, and, and, and Robbie and I are very similar. We understand that you win with guards. So you're talking about guards like Michael Hemingway, uh, Candidate, Devin Candidate, Demetrius Jackson, Jair Rogers, Jaden Ivey, and now Declan Sullivan. And, and, and you talk about those kind of guards, it, you know, it's no wonder Robbie has, has uh, 821, 821 seasons in his 16 years in this, in this second tenure at Marion. Hmm. Well, I know we may have to wait, and there's a lot of teams waiting to break this up, but the possibility of Northwood and Mishawaka Marion meeting down the line in the postseason, Coach, that would have to be one of the best matchups in the state. Well, you got to get South Bend, Washington out of that yeah. mix first if you're marrying because they're they're 16 and five, they're athletic, and on any given night, if, if they're raining jays on any given night, they could be a really really tough out, and and, and once Marion takes care of them, 
then you're 100% right. That Northwood Marion tilt will, will be an outstanding game. Of course, we all know Northwood's got the length. They, they got guys that can, they can rain threes from deep. Kate, I mean, Kate Brenner is a Mr. Basketball candidate. However, if Marcus Burton does not get Mr. Basketball, there needs to be a full-scale investigation. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, one more for you, Coach, before we yep. let you go. I grew up in Illinois. We have March Madness there, and Illinois went to a shot clock this year in high school basketball. What is your opinion on that coming to Indiana? So I would love a shot clock, and, and, and you're talking about me now when I was at Anderson. One of the things that we did really, really well uh, because we had great guards is whenever we had a lead, we, I mean, we ran a four-corners offense, and if teams, if teams wouldn't come out on us, we would be very, very content. But now I, I'm not. I just see these, I mean, these players being so athletic in the fact that they can get a shot almost within 15 seconds. You put a 35-second shot clock on them. They got to run offense. They got to get shots. They got to push the ball a little bit. And I think that's what fans want to see. I mean, I would be really 100% in favor of a shot clock. Coach, have a great call tonight. You and Brian over at LaPorte again. You can hear the LaPorte sectional on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. Their pregame will get started in about 10 minutes. Coach, I'll see you over there in a little bit. Have a great call tonight. Hey, hey enjoy uh, uh, your time with Wilson Contreras, man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. <laughs> that is Ron Heklinski. Brian Miller also involved in the conversation earlier. And they are over in LaPorte getting set for the first game. In about 40 minutes, South Bend Adams taking on Michigan City, a rematch of what last year's sectional title game. And then the nightcap, it's the Northern Lakes Conference matchup. The Plymouth Pilgrims taking on the Mishawaka Cabin, both games on 96 1 the ton. And of course, we'll have updates throughout the night on 96 1 the ton on the other sectional action in the area, 3A at Knox. You've got Glenn and Tippy Valley in a good matchup tonight. 3A at Jimtown. The doubleheader begins in a couple of moments. Marion and Clay. Then it's Jimtown and St. Joe. One game at Northwood. The Panthers taking on Wawasee. You've got a doubleheader at Elkhart. You've got Elkhart taking on Penn, followed by Northridge and Warsaw. And then that Laporte sectional on 96-1 the ton. Eight minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, Pet Refuge's annual gallon auction will be held Saturday, March the 11th from 6 until 9 p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn's Gillespie Center in South Bend. This year's event is titled Playing for Keeps. This casual auction will feature games, raffles, a wine pool, food, a cash bar, and lots of fun, including a kitten cuddling tent. Admission is just $50 per person. Come support the dogs and cats of Pet Refuge Saturday, March the 11th for their largest fundraiser of the year. You can purchase your tickets online at PetRefuge.com. Reservations for the Pet Refuge annual gallon auction Saturday, March 11th at the Hilton Garden Inn's Gillespie Center in South Bend is March the 3rd. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is time for our Twitter question of the day. Darren Pritchett with you on Sports Beat. 
On yesterday's program, I asked this question. And you can find the question on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Which basketball team will have the best March Madness run? Your four choices. The Purdue men's basketball team. The Indiana Ball Club. The Indiana women's basketball team. Or the Notre Dame women's basketball team. We have counted up the votes, and here are the results. Which basketball team will have the best March Madness run? Coming in fourth place, the team that has been number one in the country a couple of weeks this year. Matt Painter's Purdue Boilermakers, but apparently their late-season tailspin has changed the mind of basketball fans because Purdue only got 7.2% of the vote and came in fourth place. Third place, which basketball team will have the best March Madness run? The Indiana men's basketball team. They got 13.3% of the vote. If Shafino and TJD play at their best, two great players can take you a long way in the madness. But Indiana only got 13.3% of the vote. Second place in the voting for which basketball team will have the best March Madness run? The ACC champion, Notre Dame women's basketball team. They got 32.5% of the vote. If Olivia Miles is healthy, suffered the knee injury, of course, over the weekend, maybe they get more votes. And I guess the update is nothing to announce as of yet by Neil Ivy, she's preparing to have Olivia, not having Olivia in the ACC tournament. They play for the first time of the ACC tournament Friday at 2 o'clock in the quarterfinals. But still a lot of respect for the Irish women despite the injury to Miles. They got 32.5% of the vote. But winning the vote, which basketball team will have the best March Madness run? The Indiana women's basketball team. Number two in the country, trying to make the final four for the first time in program history. Man, this team is so technically sound, moving the basketball. A lot of fun to watch the Hoosiers play, and the Indiana women won the voting. They'll have the best March Madness run, in your opinion. They got almost half the votes at 47%. Now to today's question. After all the changes, is the Notre Dame football coaching staff fill in the blank? Choice number one, as good as before. Choice number two, the same. Choice number three, it is weaker than before. And choice number four, wait and see. You can vote on this Twitter question of the day tonight, tomorrow morning, through early afternoon, on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. After all the changes, is the Notre Dame football coaching staff As good as before, the same, weaker than before, or you know what? You're just going to wait and see. Don't wait. Vote now on my Twitter account at 960Sportsbeat. That wraps up the first hour of the program. Coming up next, we'll recap some of the top stories of the day. We'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer at 615. And we'll have some sizzler talk at the end of the program here on WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley off balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy 
Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 613 at WSBT. Sorry, Coach. Didn't mean to talk over you there. Well, Coach Bray, for 23 years, has led this Notre Dame basketball program. His final home game as the head coach of the Irish is tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. 7 o'clock tip here on WSBT Radio. And one final time from Purcell Pavilion, Mike Bray met the media this afternoon. And maybe the audio soundbite of the year has already occurred on February the 28th. Mike Bray talking to the local media today about the matchup and what he's going to do after the ball game against Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Give a listen. I'm very proud of this guy. I have never stepped foot in the linebacker in 23 years. I know you don't believe that. I've never been in it, but I'm going in tomorrow night. <laughs> it, it became a thing like, you know, obviously it's not my crowd probably, even though they say the burgers are good for lunch. Somebody told me that. Anyway, I've never really gone in there. And then it was like, nine. I'm not going in there. It's, uh, it's a merit badge. I've never been in the linebacker. And uh, people from out of town go, yeah, man, you know, we're coming to go to the backers. I've never been there. But I'm going tomorrow. And we're closing that summer. There ain't no curfew tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to miss Mike. And I think a lot of people are going to miss the great sound bites of Coach Bray. Let's see if they can shock Pittsburgh, the leaders of the ACC, tomorrow night. And again, 7 o'clock tip here on WSBT Radio with a 630 Pre-game. Some other Notre Dame basketball news. It comes from the ACC regular season champion, Fighting Irish women's basketball team. Head coach Neil Ivey has picked up ACC Coach of the Year honors. And the 24-4 and Irish, who won their first regular season title since 2019, had some players pick up some hardware today. Three players from the Fighting Irish made the all-ACC first team, led by 5'10 guard, Olivia Miles, the heartbeat of this Irish women's basketball team, leading the team at 14.3 points per game, seven rebounds, seven assists, two steals a ball game. Of course, her status up in the air for Friday due to the knee injury suffered over the weekend. Sonia Citron, who had the 27-point performance, a season high against Louisville on Sunday to pick up some slack with Miles on the sideline. Last year's ACC Rookie of the Year, Citron made the All-ACC first team. Averaging 14 points, five and a half rebounds, and two assists a ball game. And the third member of the Irish on the All ACC First Team is Maddie Westfeld, who does a little bit of everything for this team. She's got 999 career points this year, averaging 10 points and seven rebounds a ball game. And a fourth Notre Dame player picked up an honor today: KG Bransford, All ACC Freshman Team. A lot to talk about with Notre Dame football recruiting. The transfer portal will do that with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The WSBT radio app. And on Twitch. As Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. I'm Darren Pritchett, Mike Singer alongside. And also this conversation is available on the Blue and Gold Illustrated YouTube channel. We broadcast this on the final day of February. Tomorrow we get into March, which means spring practice is just about 
three weeks away, and the coaching staff is slowly but surely coming together. And, Mike, it sounds like that Joe Rudolph, a veteran offensive line coach who did some great things in the Big Ten, is lined up to be the new offensive line coach of the Fighting Irish. Some early impressions on what you've learned about Joe Rudolph. Yeah, I'll have a story about this coming at Blue and Gold in the coming days about a recruiting outlook, kind of just what people that I'm talking to generally think about him. But the consensus is just, I think, the word solid. Like, I don't think it was a swing and a miss. I don't know if it was a home run. I think it was a solid double or a triple. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, if you thought Andy Heck was, was going to come to Notre Dame, you know, that, that was probably wishful thinking. Or, uh, you know, if Chris Watt it w- was the other end of the spectrum, Watt probably a little too soon for him to become, you know, the offensive line coach at Notre Dame. I, I think Joe Rudolph is, is a good you know, happy medium, probably trending closer to, you know, the high end of the spectrum of what, of what Notre Dame could get here. You mentioned veteran. I think that's an important thing. He's got play caller experience. Spent as, you know, I think he played, I'm pretty sure he played at Wisconsin and coached there for a while. So um, that ground and pound approach is, is going to be important to Notre Dame. Um, he's obviously coached some really good offensive line uh, groups at Wisconsin and all, he takes over a terrific group at Notre Dame. So, uh, and in terms of him as a recruiter, again, I'll touch more on that in my article at Blue and Gold this week, but the, the consensus is just a good, solid dude, like just a very consistent person, um, someone who's uh, consistent on the recruiting trail, um, you know, not going to break your door down in an annoying way, but, um, you know, he's not going to slack off on the trail. 50 years old, um, you know, so he's not um, – He's not a spring chicken, but he's also, you know, not inching to retirement. You know, he, he's he's still a youthful, uh, youthful spirit on, in that front. So I think this is a, a solid get for the Fighting Irish. Again, I, I, could they have done better? Sure, um, but from everything I gather, this is going to be a good get for Notre Dame. And and it's not like, you know, when when in Brian Kelly era, when you you have a guy like Jeff Quinn, like. Offensive line recruiting is really just on his shoulders. With Rudolph, it's not the case. You know, Jared Parker, Chad Bowden, Marcus Freeman, more in the recruiting office. All these guys are going to be able to, you know, help him out. So it's not just everything on his shoulders. So good hire for Notre Dame. Thinks a solid, solid one and, and a good way to run out the coaching staff. I'm going to give my opinion on something, and I'd love for you to get your thoughts. I think there's a small group of the fan base that sees – Marcus Freeman is bringing in a lot of people he knows to be a part of his coaching staff. And I don't see the big deal right now. And and here's my thinking. He is a second-year head coach, Mike, and he is someone that needs people that he trusts around him to be a part of the building of the Notre Dame that he wants. Now, five, six years down the line, if he wants to branch out and bring in some new ideas to kind of rethink the program or a side of the football like Brian Kelly did. He, he went away from Mike Denbrock and brought in someone from the outside to call some plays. So I guess my thinking is I think he needs people that he trusts and he knows what they're all about right now. And down the line, if he needs to tweak something, go outside the family, he can do that. Yeah, and this was an outside the family hire. Now, I know that I think Small connection. from like oh. 04 to 06, yep. right? Rudolph was the GA at Ohio State, and, and Freeman, you know, played there 
Um, you know, I want to say Rondo, I think 06 might have been Freeman's freshman, or 05 might have been Freeman's freshman season. I, I can't run that time. So a little bit, but, you know, that's more of a, hey, do you remember <laughs> yeah. nearly 20 years ago that we, I, I, so I don't know if there's, you know, drinking buddies or anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a healthy combo of, um, you know, going outside your, your coaching tree. Um, and, and then, you know, the guys, your, your foxhole guys, you know, like a Jared Parker, like a Gino Gadouli, but player, you know, guys like Joe Rudolph, Chancey Stuckey, Dylan McCullough, Al Golden, you know, those are outside that Luke Fickle tree, um, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, I think it's a good, healthy combo of the staff, um, you know, guys he's very comfortable with. I think that's important for a young coach, especially to just yeah, have that chemistry in the room because, you know, if, if you're Marcus Freeman, what is he, 36, 37 years old, 36, I want to say, um, and, and you have all these big egos, guys that you don't really know how to control, that could get out of hand pretty quickly. So, again, I think that blend is pretty important. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, is my guest. Not only is he the recruiting insider, but little do you know that he's also in charge of following the transfer portal and, and grad transfers. He does it all for Blue and Gold Illustrated. And earlier this week, Mike, there was a bit of news that a Maryland offensive guard, Mason Lunsford, was going to be visiting this week. And, in fact, he put out that on social media himself. It sounds like as we record this on Tuesday, things have changed a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's, what, what an offseason it's been. You're like, this is – just kind of like a low-end news like oh yeah offensive line transfer guy coming in oh less than 24 hours later the news is canceled like oh, that, that just kind of goes to show uh how, how quickly things can change we've certainly uh seen that this off season but yeah i uh, got a uh, you know the source reached out to me this morning was told yeah lunsford's not coming on campus so um and i know next weekend he's supposed to go to arkansas and you know he's had another visit he's going to do after that so you know, I, why this got canceled, you know, it, it just did. It, it just did there. And the visit's off. Um, I know that Notre Dame feels really good about its interior offensive line position. Uh, Lunsford was, you know, being recruited by Notre Dame to play left guard next to Joe Walt. Uh, I think there was an exciting proposition there. But, you know, it, it, you know, from my understanding, it was Notre Dame's more end, uh, more on Notre Dame's end, excuse me, to cancel the visit. And the Irish are, are moving forward with its offensive linemen, um, by all accounts. And it, you know it's a pretty strong interior offensive line. You got uh, you got Blake Fisher and Joel, of course, on your bookend. But you know Andrew Gustafsson played a lot of football. Uh, you know you have Rocco Spindler. Is this finally his year to break through? Um, you know Zeke Carell's back, of course. Then do you have someone like Billy Shrouth break through the lineup? Um, you know, is an interior offensive lineman. Lots, lots of different moving pieces there. Michael Carmody, I know, has practiced at both tackle and guard during his Notre Dame career. So, um, yeah, you feel great about the, the bookend tackles. If you were to bring in Lunsford, there's a, a pencil-in starter, basically. Um, but Notre Dame's, you know, not going that direction. And, uh, you know, again, they got Christophic, Carell, Spindler, Shrouth, just a few of the names um, to battle for some of those spots. Players were very positive about Shrout. He's gotten a lot of good recognition from the players, you know, late last season. So that's a guy who's maybe picking up a little momentum right now 
in the interior of the offensive line. And, you know, Mike, when this small little window opens later on this spring in, in, in terms of the transfer portal, hey, it's not out of the question. Notre Dame might add a defensive lineman. Look at Chris Smith last year, got him from Harvard. And, Mike, where would this team be without, you know, Chris Smith? Now, it's not like he's an All-American, but, man, they needed him in terms of depth pieces, started a game. So it would not be shocking if they don't go down that road again. And to be completely honest with you, Darren, there were about three players that we were a little surprised didn't enter the transfer portal from Notre Dame um, in you know, the winter transfer portal period. I don't know what the correct term for that is. <laughs> um, so I would expect some outgoings in that spring portal period, and I wouldn't be surprised either if there's incomings. You know, I think although the Lunsford thing didn't happen – I think it does kind of remind us, Darren, and I, I believe I've said this on our show, it's that Notre Dame is looking always to improve every single position. Like, you, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to bring in a left tackle for a one-year rental, but, like, seriously, or a quarterback, right? But all these other positions, like, they, they are always have their ears. Like, I get this question a lot. Hey, Mike, does Notre Dame have someone who all they do is just monitor the transfer portal? Well, I don't think they have one person who's just dedicated to hit, you know, the F5 button and refresh and, and just look at the transfer portal. It, yes, it is something that Notre Dame is always nonstop looking at. I wonder, Mike, Jack Swarbrick talked about a new kind of GM position for Notre Dame football. That might be the person in the future that sits and hits the M5 button that you're talking I about. I highly doubt that a general manager is hitting the F5 button. But, yes, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really important position. Just kind of the the day-to-day -day logistical yep. things that most of us just don't think about. That Yeah, this is running a football program. This is a, it's a big business. It's a big deal. You need someone to come in and, and help you know, handle those responsibilities. I think that's an important hire for Notre Dame. And if I remember correctly, I was reading blueandgold.com earlier today, and Patrick Engel had a story about Lunsford. I think he mentioned Notre Dame's scholarship numbers at 93 right now. Of course, you have to get down to 85. So a lot of things will happen, Mike, before that first game against Navy. All right, Notre Dame football, class of 2024, of course. They've got a bunch of players already committed, working on others. This is the best way I can put it. Do you feel like 2024 recruiting is on schedule right now? Yeah, Darren, they got eight commits, and National Signing Day is, what, nine and a half months away, ten months? So, I mean, it's basically a third of the class full. yeah. I think they're in a pretty good spot. I think they're in this spring. When you look at March, April, May, probably will land somewhere between, I'm just kind of spitballing here, six to eight or nine commitments, something around there, put you around 15 going into the summer. And then the summer is huge, right? You get those June official visits and then, you know, you're going to land several more from June, July. And then, I think this past year from the end of July to like the first, you know, that end of July to first week of August, Notre Dame landed a, like a new commitment every day. Like there's going to be a run there as well as players, you know, find that August 2nd birthday to announce their commitment on, you know, want to knock this thing out before the senior season. So Notre Dame will probably be about 80% full before the 
um, you know, before the start of the season, somewhere around there. So, um, yeah, there's already like like two players on the top of my mind right now that I think could be, you know, March, April commitments. And yeah, there's just going to be a bunch. So they're fine. I think, you know, they, look, they got a quarterback at, or excuse me, a commitment at quarterback, running back, got a receiver, they got an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. Do they have a linebacker yet? No linebacker. Uh, and two D and two corners already. So, other than safety and linebacker, they've got a commitment at every position. So, I mean, they're in pretty good shape right now, Darren. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, joining me on WSBT Radio. This conversation also on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. So, I recently had a conversation with someone involved with a Division One program, a non-Power 5 Division One program, and we just got into a conversation about NILs. Now, NILs are not supposed to be a part of the recruiting process, but I think none of us are dummies. We see stories across the country, money being guaranteed, blah, 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 blah. And just talking to that individual, they said even in the non-Power 5 conference level, there are recruits talking about NILs and seeing what's out there. I'm just curious, without any names, if it's even any names to talk about, when you talk to recruits, do you have many of them very upfront and say that they are looking for money right off the bat through the NIL process as they're going through the recruiting process? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have recruits on all ends of the spectrum. You're going to have it where this is just a business play, like <laughs> college football is just to make money. Uh, and you're going to have the the other end, you know, more so your offensive line. You'd be like, all right, man, I don't care. I, I want to go play football. And for Notre Dame, you're going to be more on the, you know, the, more of that offensive line end, right? Like, I, I want to go play football and get a really good degree. And, and they're thinking the long game. I want to go somewhere that can help me set up for my future, right? That's that's the Notre Dame play, where you know, Notre Dame's not really playing this NIL game of, you know, guaranteeing players money like, I look if 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 that happens, I I will I hope I can tell you guys, but it, like I or I would hope I'd be able to share that. But I'm completely honest. NIL's been around for a year and a half. I've heard little rumors here and there, but nothing really substantial that like Notre Dame's playing the NIL game like for with recruits. Um, I mean, I've talked to Notre Dame sources and I've said, hey, like I heard this. Is this true? I literally get laughed at there. They're like, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame not doing that. So, to, but to kind of answer your question, Darren, the the I would say so. I'm talking about both ends of the spectrum here. The middle, which is your most common, is pretty much like it's it's something to consider. Like you have to, like it's it's something to listen to. But at the end of the day, speaking as a recruit, it's like I got to play football. Like, you know, I, I have to go to college. I got to get on the field. Like, I need to get, you know, good grades and get a degree. Like, that's still the number one thing. So, I think all the big stories out there, you know, the the Rashada kid, um, you know, who was what, going to Arizona State and or Florida and didn't get yep. his money and he went to Arizona State. Like, I think people hear that story and they're like, that's college football recruiting. Like, it's, it's that's, that's like the, you know, the 1% of the 1% kind of thing. Like, that is very rare. Or the bulk of it is very much like, hey, um, you know, I want to learn more about this, but it's not going to impact my decision. And, you know, I, I do think Notre Dame, 
I said this before, I think NIL has been a bad thing for Notre Dame on the recruiting trail. I, I do think they've lost some recruits, um, you know, maybe not just due to NIL, but I think it's been a factor. Sure. But I, I do think that the Fighting Irish have done pretty well in this NIL era. I hope you find this to be a fun question. This is kind of off the beaten trail a little bit, but it seems like in every recruiting cycle, there's always a former Notre Dame player whose son is a three-star, a four-star, whatever the case may be, and it could be Notre Dame recruiting them. So I'm just wondering, recently, has there been a legacy that has stood out to you? Yeah, Darren, when you told me you were going to ask me this, I, I told you, I'm like, there's going to be, I'm going to pop this player's name up on the screen um, for our YouTube audience. You're going to be like, oh, well, of course I knew that. Darren. I can't wait to see. Bryce Young. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, Bryant Young's kid. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about him a lot, right? So, Bryant Young, um, up there, one of Notre Dame's best defensive linemen they've had, a Hall of Famer. His son, Bryant Young, is uh, very heavily considering Notre Dame. I've had a prediction for him to land with the Fighting Irish. I want to say since last November, he was going to be on campus for the Clemson game. If you folks remember, that was like a weekend where tons of you know flights got canceled due to weather across the country. So his, unfortunately, wasn't that. I honestly think that he might have committed to Notre Dame if he would have been able to take that visit. Um, he did make it back in uh, December, I want to say, um, and, and he'll certainly be back to campus this spring. So, uh, yeah, so he, he's visited Notre Dame in three times as a recruit for a camp last June when he got his offer, came back to the Stanford game, and then was on campus um, in uh, January for junior day. So, yeah, four-star player. Um, I like Notre Dame here. He's blown up a lot, though, recently. He's got several new offers from big-time big programs, um, and uh, I believe he's going to uh, Alabama this weekend. So that could be an interesting one. But I like the Irish here, though, Darren. Uh, Bryce Young, big-time edge rusher. Again, Notre Dame, I want to say, was his first or second offer and now you look at that list and, you know, you've got Tennessee, Penn State, Wisconsin, uh, USC, Stanford, Miami, you know, Virginia, long list of schools after him now. Um, so I do think that would be a really nice gift for the Irish. As we wind down, Mike, how about a reminder for Irish fans how they can be a part of the Blue and Gold family? Very important with spring football now just a couple of weeks away. Super pumped about spring ball coming up, Darren. And I truly believe that Blue and Gold will be the place to go for spring ball. I mean, we'll have more boots on the ground than anyone. I mean, between you know, Patrick Engel, Tyler Horka, Todd Burlidge, and our new hire recently, Kyle Kelly, who helps me out on the recruiting beat. Uh, but it's going to shoot a lot of good video for us and have some reports at Blue and Gold. So whether you're wanting those written articles for the incident reaction from practice or you know all what Freeman and the players and coaches are saying – and or just like our YouTube coverage, like our post-practice reaction videos with exclusive B-roll. I shouldn't say exclusive because we're all shooting the same stuff, but like our very good B-roll video that we'll shoot. Um, you can find that all on our Blue and Gold YouTube channel, so definitely the place to be. Give me a hat. I'll put it on, walk around. That'll be six boots on the ground. I'll just be a symbolic. I mean, I'm sure we can get you a blue and gold Founders Club hat, Darren. We can make that happen. All right. Consider it. A, that's my NIL deal. I want a hat for the service, okay? All right. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Mike, good to catch up with you this week as always. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Darren. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, blue and gold illustrated, blue and gold. 
Com. Coming up in just a couple of moments, we've got our sports wagering segment to get to. Fox Sports Radio coming up at 7 o'clock. And don't forget, for coverage of Hoosier Hysteria, Brian Miller and Ron Hicklinski right now have the call of the Laporte sectional on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton. But stick around. More Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 